are, um, we're going to be taking on uh, a topic that, uh, frankly, uh, you actually are taking on every day of your life, it seems, as though of late. And it's one that, as a church, which the world doesn't understand, friends, uh, it used to be that within the confines of these walls, we would do a service, and it would be within the scope of those who are here, right? That world has changed ever since COVID, where now things are streamed globally in nanoseconds of time. And so because of that, there are people who listen or watch who do not agree. In fact, they want a war. They want to fight. And that's just the world that, that we're in. But the cool thing about knowing the God of the Bible is the God of the Bible taught us all about himself, all summed up in the life of David Uh, especially when the young boy David confronted Goliath. And that is, uh, the church in a way is like David. The world is like Goliath. It's loud, it's boisterous, it's mean, and it's going to shout at you. Uh, But David relied on the Lord. And that's what what the church has got to do. Never, never should the church ever withdraw itself from battle. We're not allowed to do that. When I say battle, I mean spiritual battle. But we live in an age now in these last days that the spiritual battles are manifesting themselves now in the public square. And that's why you feel the way that you feel. And that's why you're going through the things that you're going through. That's why you're watching and hearing things that you thought would never even be discussed or be thought of. And so uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a topic today. And I want, I want to qualify it. If, if in any way you detect or sense or feel like you're getting ganged up on, you are. I want you to know that that's going to be the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Don't confuse, especially those of you who are watching, don't confuse what is about to happen to your emotions with Frank, Turek, or I hating you, or these people hating you. It's going to be the exact opposite. In the middle of a night, in the middle of a storm, a lighthouse stands beaming its light against the weather, against all elements to save a life. And if we don't speak truth, then no one's going to be saved. The light will not go forth. Do we run the risk of being hated? We will be, and that's already happened. But we're in good company because Jesus Jesus said, don't worry when they hate you. They want to kill you because they hated me first and they want to kill me also. So we say this today because of love. So we're going to be looking at a special service today, and it's titled, What Kind of Transition Are You Looking For? What kind of transition are you looking for? So I'm going to bring out and introduce no stranger to this church. In fact, they just ended last night a tremendously successful conference here yesterday, and it ended last night. He is a recognized author, best-selling author. He is a prolific author. He is the host of Cross-Examined, and uh, it's a ministry podcast that is just growing. I love this guy. He hails from North Carolina, uh, but whenever he's here, we like to consider Frank being home. So welcome Frank Turek, Dr. Frank Turek. 
love you. <laughs> so um, we're going to ask all of you to stand, even though the even though the front row gave him a standing ovation. So we're going to do this. You guys know the drill. Here's the here's the thing. We're going to do our scripture reading this morning to get into this. But uh, like I've done just a couple of times in the past, this will be a montage of scriptures clumped together. We've done this before, and um, there's no harm to the Bible in doing this. It'd be like reading, as it were, a devotional through. How about that? All Bible, just selective scriptures put together. The numbers are changed, so you and I have an even and odd number to read by. But I want to reassure you, this is all Bible. And we've put it together almost like a, like a topical Bible with reference scripture. Are you ready? I'll do the odd number verses. Join with Frank this time. First time ever. Right? You'll, you'll, uh, you'll read with Frank, and I'll read with Jesus. Um, <laughs> verse 1. I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Wow. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Heavenly Father... Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would bless the going forth of this word. Lord, we admit today we are mere followers of your lead. We come with a couple of fish and some bread, trusting you to multiply. So, Lord, cause this message to make an impact. Lord, this is your Bible, and these are the last days. So how about God to the ends of the earth? People need to hear this truth. So, Lord, please give us skill right now to teach and to handle your awesome and precious word. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. 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 You may be seated, everybody. So, you guys, we're going to go through this. And um, we want to warn you, like most things here at church, it's it's uh, unrehearsed. But um, we can simply set it up this way, Frank, before uh, you do the rest of the service. (laughs) That is... um, for, for all of us, I'm not going to say some of us, but for all of us, listen, there's health, there's health challenges in our lives. 
There's debt issues. There's things such as addiction, relationship issues. There's things that are going on in, in uh, your maybe theological issues. Maybe you're struggling with certain things about either how you were brought up spiritually or what you've come to, to know today and you find a conflict with the Bible. And what about those that have been abused? Somebody recently said, uh, Pastor Jack, I've come from an abusive home or dysfunctional home, they said. And, and I said, just get in line. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. None, of us, none of us have come from a perfect home. I, I, I want you to know that none of us has come. We've not come. I mean, maybe you've come close from a perfect home, but most of us have not. But I want you to know, we want you to know that God's power is greater than any abuse that this world can bring to us and bring against us. And, um, and part of the, the trouble in the heart felt pain is when a child goes astray. You've raised them in the Lord, and it, it seems as though you're losing them. And in our culture today, we're hearing it here. Every, every church, every school, every state is hearing it among those. And that is, my child's come home from school, and they've announced to Dad and I that they're either LBGTQ plus or trans. And we want to address that today with Frank in town. Uh, and you'll know more later as we'll get, make sure we get the QR code up. But Frank has written a book, correct, but not politically correct, that could save somebody's life. We'll talk about that more in the end. But um, Frank, you want to dive on in and share? You know, I was talking to my wife who serves for me as an alternate Holy Spirit. <laughs> And, and Lisa and Stephanie went to the same yes, school for that. they did. They did. And I said, uh, Jack and I were talking about doing a sermon together. What should we do? And she said, you need to communicate that we need to have an eternal perspective. Amen. And we do have to have an eternal perspective because life doesn't end when you are put in the ground. It goes on. And the, the, the verse or the, cha- the, the section of passages that deal with this at great length is Paul writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Yep. And he's writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 to the church at Corinth because they're dealing with pain and suffering. And what does he encourage them with? He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16, he says, Our light and momentary afflictions... Are achieving for us, oh, it's up there, our light. <laughs> Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly are we being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what on is, but what on is unseen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, I think what Paul is saying here. To put it in plain everyday English is that when you go through difficulty, you are enhancing your capacity to enjoy God, not only now, but forever. There are struggles that we have 
that actually will enhance our capacity to know God That's and right. then to make Him known. Amen. So when you're going through difficulty, look at it as an opportunity to actually grow in your knowledge and relationship with God. Because, I mean, Paul talks about this elsewhere, as you know, Jack. He talks about Romans. Hey, I need somebody to preach through Romans. Do you guys know anybody that will? Nobody does that anymore. Right? You're, you're, you've passed Romans 5, or you get, you're getting to Romans we 5. We just passed Romans you 5. You just passed Romans 5. You know when he says, he, he basically says that we glory in tribulation, because tribulation produces character, and yeah. character produces hope. I don't know about you. Jack probably does this, but I don't. When I'm in tribulation, I don't glory in it. Do you glory in it? No, you just want to get out of it, don't you? And James says, count it all joy when you fall right. into various trials. Because the testing of your faith produces patience. Yeah. I, don't, I don't glory in trials. Do you glory in trials? This is what the scripture tells us. And when you're going to get to Romans 12, he's going to say, renew your mind. We need to do this. Oh, exactly that. And and listen, of course, nobody says, oh boy, my car just burned down or (laughs) I just lost my job or this is what just happened with my family. Or like we're talking about today, my son, my daughter came home and said they may be something else. What is happening? Number one, whatever is happening has not missed the eye of God. In fact, before, in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9, listen to what Paul uh, really prefaced what Frank read a moment ago. We we are hard-pressed on every side. So you may feel like that, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. You might feel like that. So we want to reach two groups, as it were, today. We want to encourage those of you who are going through this drama of this era, of this age, this thing that uh, we're learning is trending, and also you who think that you are in the midst of this transition yourself. Now, I'm going to say something that is brutally honest, but let's just get, get it out on the table right now. We're living in an age that the Bible anticipated. They're called the last days. We don't have to make it up. Even John said we're in the last days. The last days technically deals with a time when the gospels preached to the world. That's been for 2,000 years. But for the last days, there's the last hour John talked about. He said in the last hour of the last days, you're going to know it because there's going to be false doctrines, false teachings, and there are going to be those who are coming seeking, really, I'm paraphrasing this, to destroy the innocents. And they'll find every means possible to do that. And listen, throughout human history, Satan has always targeted children. Always. And so I want you to know that we're not here to yell, scream, beat up on you. We're inviting you to hang on to your seat or stay tuned in and take it. Just take it. You can take it. Know this. We love you. God loves you. But he loves you so much. He loves us so much that he won't leave us the way we are. He wants Jack and he wants Frank transformed. He wants you transformed. But your description of transformation is one that is wholly demonic and not of your heavenly father. You need to know that. Satan wants the image of God, who you are an image bearer of the almighty God. Every human being is an image bearer of the almighty God. You are the only one created in his image. Satan wants to undo that. So, Frank. 
Let me just give you an example of, I know it's a trivial example, but I think it communicates on how you enhance your capacity to go through difficulty. I'm, I'm from New Jersey originally. Forget about it. It's okay. <laughs> so I grew up a New York Giant fan, and in 2004, they traded to get Eli Manning in the first round, first pick, and he wasn't very good the first few years. And when your brother's name is Peyton and you're pick number one in New York, New York you're not going to, you're not going to like being there. Because they just hammered him. You're not very good. You were number one pick. Your brother's name is Peyton. You stink. You're never going to make it. Then in 2007, he got his, somehow had a decent year, got his team uh, to the playoffs, beat three teams on the road, including the hated Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) We have a saying in New Jersey, whenever the Cowboys win, it's living proof that Satan is alive and well. (laughs) Anyway... Now we root for the commanders. Yes, we do. You guys, we're, we have a... Sam Howell is a mm-hmm. friend of ours. Keep your eyes on the commander. Commanders? They don't even know what a commander is. The Washington Redskins. Remember them? <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah. Start, In any event. Starting... Uh, so, yeah, that's it. So what happens is Eli gets to the Super Bowl, but tragically for him, he's going up against the 18-0 New England Patriots who already had 19-0 written. They already had the book written. They just had to win the game. <laughs> And then the uh, Giants actually play a good game against the Patriots, and it's uh, 14 to 10 in the fourth quarter. And Eli has the ball, and he's got to go 80 yards to win the Super Bowl. And somehow he th- he's about to be sacked. He throws this Hail Mary pass to David Tyree's helmet. Some of you remember that, who was a Christian. Last pass he ever caught in the NFL. And then a few plays later, he throws the winning touchdown to Plexico Burris, and Giants win over the 18 and 0 New England Patriots. And Tom Brady was deflated. Yay! Some of you will get that tomorrow. Anyway, after the game, after the game, Eli held up the Lombardi Trophy, and so did the third-string quarterback, who hardly played it down all year. Question: Did Eli enjoy that more than the third-string quarterback? Yes. Why? Because he went through all the difficulty. He went through all the people that said he couldn't do it. He went through all the trouble and he actually was in the game and he came out victorious. That is how you enhance your capacity to enjoy a reward. If you go through life with no troubles, you might live a pleasant life, but it will be a shallow life. You will not enhance your capacity to know God and to know Jesus. And so that's just an illustration of of how I think this works. Now, some of you are going to say, well, I don't see the victory now. I don't see how my my capacity is enhanced. I didn't win the Super Bowl. I didn't hold up a Lombardi trophy. Even if you don't see the victory, always know that despite any trouble you're going through, there's always a ripple effect. What's the ripple effect? The ripple effect is that everything that happens ripples forward to affect trillions of other events. Let me give you one ripple effect that affects you, affects everybody in this room, affects everybody watching out there. In the 1970s, a teenager went into a church not looking for God, but looking for girls. Pick it up from here. I did not see that coming. 
There's a ripple effect. Long story short, ripple effect was this. The gospel got preached to a guy by the name of Greg Laurie. Greg Laurie gets up on a podium, starts preaching the gospel. I happened to have been sitting there. I heard the gospel. And uh, that same gospel that changed uh, uh, that hippie guy on the stage changed my heart, changed Frank's heart, changes. Listen, not only changes, but it's hard to explain. Those of you who you'll know what I mean in a moment. I didn't know what was going on in that moment on June 20th, 1977, just around 9 p.m. at night on a Monday night. I just knew something had confronted me and it wasn't any human being. There wasn't somebody pushing me around. There wasn't somebody pressuring me to sign up. None of that stuff was going on. Someone, I wouldn't even call it a someone. I didn't know. I was listening to what Greg Laurie was preaching. But I couldn't, I didn't know Christianese. I couldn't talk it. I didn't know on the inside that the Holy Spirit really took that invite seriously. And he he moved inside. And within a matter of moments, my mind was challenged by my normal thinking. My normal thoughts is what led me to the point of needing God. And when I gave my heart to Christ, I found out that there was somebody else inside of my mind. And in that, that person inside of my mind was none other than the Holy Spirit. And it came this way. The thought popped up in my head within moments after driving out of the parking lot of the church on that night is I, I need to get all my friends. I, I'm, I'm whatever it is. And that voice, which was different words, but my voice, strange, my voice, totally different words. Jack, we don't do this anymore. We have a new life. And I'm going to show you what we're going to be doing from here on out. That, that train of thought blew my mind. And from that moment on, I could never again live out what, A, I had lived previously. And even if I attempted it, I knew that I was warring against both God and my brand new self. Does that make sense? Even to the point now, and only the Christian will understand this, that when temptation hits our minds, we know we're in a battle. If something's in our mind, we, God, the Holy Spirit will say, that is not good for you. Listen, it's not only not good for you, it's hurtful toward you, it's hurtful toward others, it's not what I planned, it's destructive. Read my book, I've got a better plan for your life, Jack. And every time, God has been right. Go figure. Every time, God has been right. And that ripple has brought us Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. None of us would be sitting here, right? And you know, there's a saying that goes around, and that is, Jesus loves you, and Jack Hibbs has a wonderful plan for your life. Right? No! (laughs) Because he's preaching the truth. That's why. There's also, you can see ripples in the Bible. In fact, uh, one of the great ripples from the Old Testament, Joseph is sold into slavery... The Old Testament Joseph by his brothers, right? Yep, yep. And then he, after he's treated horribly in Egypt, he acquires a position of power. He puts a whole bunch of grain aside and his fairy family that sold him into slavery leaves Israel to escape a famine. They come to Egypt mm. and Joseph recognizes them. And what does he immediately say to him? You dirty rats, you're going to pay for what you did to me. No, he doesn't say that. He says, he says in Genesis, is it up there? We don't have it. Okay. 
He says in Genesis 50, verse 20, I think yeah, it is. Yeah. What you meant for evil, God meant for good, the saving of many lives. The evil that Judah and his brothers did to Joseph rippled forward to later help them. Now, you normally don't see that. Sometimes you don't see the ripple effect. Most of the time in your life, you will not see the ripple effect. Why? Because you're inside of time and you can't see where it's going to wind up. God is outside of time. He can see how the whole thing winds up. So if you or someone you love is in a big storm right now and you can't see your way out, keep in mind two things. Keep an eternal perspective and always remember the ripple effect. God can bring good from it. And it may not even come in this century. It may ripple forward. Evil done now might bring forth a great evangelist a hundred years from now who saves millions of people. That if the Lord Lord doesn't come back before then. There's always a ripple effect. Keep that in mind. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, you talk about Joseph, you guys. Mm -hmm. um, Frank just made me think that when Joseph was that young man that he was, uh, favored, uh, his brothers resented him. Um, I bet you, if you would have asked Joseph while he was down in that pit, remember they threw them down in the pit and then they basically hung out and ate lunch and thought it was all fine. We'll just leave them. Um, I bet you, if you would have interviewed Joseph down in that hole, he would have said, I, I just want to be with one. I, I, I want to be with my brothers. I just want to be with my brothers. I want to be like them. I don't want to be apart from them. I want to be like them. I want to be with my brothers. And that's not what God had planned for him. Now, somebody might be saying, well, you say, Jack, well, how does that work to the situation I'm in? You might be saying today that my life is in a certain place. I'm supposed to be somebody else than, than what I am. And I want to be like the people that are telling me that I'm supposed to be a certain person. But remember this, that you're going to have to choose. Even though Joseph seemingly didn't have a choice, he actually did. The situations that hit him, hit him, like the situations hit you. But what you do with them, you mentioned the word opportunity. When we hear the word opportunity, we think of roses and fireworks going off and a raise, a pay raise. Opportunities, the best, are really, really often in a very dark and sinister moment. The opportunity comes. And listen, in the midst of the challenge, you can choose like Joseph. Joseph hung on to God through it all. He leaned into God rather than saying, God, how could you do this to me? So friends, listen, there's a plan that people have for your life. And then there's a plan that God has for your life. And listen, you need to know that plan. If you're being talked into a different gender than than what you're biologically born as. We're going to show data in a moment later on. It's on a few pages. I think you have a uh, slide from Bill Maher. But you guys, uh, what somebody says to you, that doesn't make it true. And by the way, what you say to yourself doesn't make it true either. You could tell yourself, look, have you tried to go into Disneyland lately? No. Yeah, good. Good for you. But anyway, <laughs> if, you, if you do, if you do, you're going to pay... An incredible amount of money, unless you're, how old, how old do you get in for free? Is it two? Two? So listen, the next time you go to Disney, because they're big on this, identify as a two-year-old and get in for free. Read the fine print. It ain't going to happen. They won't allow that. 
Listen, you can say what you want to say about yourself or you can say what people are saying about you is true. But you won't know what's true unless you get yourself before God and let him tell you why he made you in the first place. God makes no mistakes. This world is brutal. But God makes no mistakes. Let me give you another example of the ripple effect. I was at Michigan State a number of years ago doing our I don't have enough faith to be an atheist presentation, which we take to colleges all the time. And I knew there was a militant atheist in the audience because he sat through the entire presentation looking like this. I mean, he didn't crack a smile once. And I had some pretty good jokes in there. Anyway, when it was time for Q&A, he was sitting on this side of the room and his hand went up and I said, yes, sir. And he said, if there is a good God, why doesn't he stop all the evil in the world? Mm -hmm. I said, sir, that is an excellent question. Maybe because if he did, he might start with you (laughs) and me because we do evil every day. You ever notice that when we ever complain about evil, we're always complaining about somebody else doing it. Hey, God, why don't you stop him? Hey, God, why don't you stop her? We never say, God, why don't you stop me? Ladies and gentlemen, if God were to stop evil at midnight tonight, would you still be alive at 1201? (laughs) No, I wouldn't be. Because we're all evil, that's why we need a savior. Anyway, then he said, I pointed out that free will is necessary. That's why God gave us the ability to have free will so we could either love. Love is worth free will. The problem is we could also do evil with it. And God wanted us to actually make choices, including to love him and to love one another. If we don't have free will, we can't do that. God didn't want us to be moist robots. He wanted us to have the capacity to love. And so he gave us free will. The problem is, is that that can lead to evil. And he started saying, well, what about babies? They don't have free will. You know, they didn't do any evil. So I explained the ripple effect. I said, maybe a baby dying today, even though we can't see any good coming from it, it, can ripple forward. So a hundred years from now, a great evangelist rises up and saves millions of people right? We can't see the ripples, but God can. At that point, a guy, maybe 10 feet from him, raises his hand. And he goes, I said, yes, sir. He said, I know of a woman who was raped and the rape nearly destroyed her. In fact, this woman became pregnant as a result of this rape. Then his voice started to crack. And he said, but this woman... This mother decided she was not going to punish the baby for the sin of the father. She decided she was going to bring this baby to term. And this boy that she gave birth to grew up to be a man. By this time, he's crying in front of everybody at Michigan State. And he said, this man became a pastor. And he's led many people to Jesus and discipled many people in Jesus. And he said, that pastor is me. And then he looked over at the atheist and he said, if my mom can bring good from evil, so can God. Wow, that's great. That's awesome. The ripple effect right there. I went up to the guy after the seminar. I said, what's your name? He said, my name's Gary Bingham. I'm a pastor in Marion, Indiana. He had driven up to Lansing, Michigan that day for the uh, seminar. I said, how's your mom? And she, he said, well, she's much better now because she became a Christian about four years ago. And I said, well, make sure you tell her that she was heroic for making the right choice. 
because the choice she made rippled forward for good through you and it rippled forward all the way to tonight because everybody at Michigan State has heard it. And it's rippling forward right now because you're hearing it. And it's also in a book I wrote called Stealing from God. The ripple effect keeps going. If you're in a storm and you're not sure where this is going, God knows where it's going. Trust him. Jack, what's the greatest ripple in history? The greatest ripple in history is none other than the fact that when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, right? They exercised their free will. They said no to him. And like Frank said a moment ago, God could have made us moist robots, but there's no relationship in that. And when they refused and they rejected, plunged this entire thing called humanity, by the way. Can I say this? We are one race. Do you understand that? I'm sick and tired of hearing about races and racism. We're one Mm -hmm. race. We have different pigmentation, but we are one race. Plunge this race into uh, oblivion and the sin of it until... Until God sent forth his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. In the plan was God having a savior built into our redemption. That's an amazing thing. Not only does God love you. Again, like I said earlier, he not only loves you. He loves you enough not to leave you like you are. Because before Adam and Eve sinned, the book of Ephesians tells us that God already had the plan of redemption in play. He had uh, the, the trump card or the escape hatch or the, the rip cord already planned, knowing. And lo and behold, uh, Joseph could have said to Mary, listen, Mary, we're not going to get married. In fact, you, gotta, you, gotta, you need to abort that kid. Make no mistake about it. They could have done it in that days. Egypt had been doing it for over a thousand, or about a thousand years. Uh, they decided to keep that little baby. That little baby was brought into the world. That little baby was born in this world and lived a perfect life, the Bible says. His name's Jesus, God incarnate in human flesh, died on the cross for our sins. Only he could. Nobody else could achieve that for us. Rose again from the dead that we might receive God's justification. And because Christ is risen, you can live also and you yourself can experience eternity. But here's the thing. There's a battle right now for, for who you are. There's a battle right now for your identity. People are scrambling today to name you or label you. One or the other is happening, maybe both. And the world has taken it upon them, themselves. I don't blame any of them. I think they are playing out the spirit that is manipulating them. That you are this or you are that. By the way, Frank and I get in enough trouble. I was honored this last week. I don't know if you know this or not. I saw it. I was honored this last mm-hmm. week to be officially hated by the Southern Pov- Poverty Law Center uh, for, for being, um, for being um, a hater. And this guy went off on how, how much of a hater I am and all this stuff simply because uh, speaking the truth. Uh, but I didn't say it in a hateful way. I said it in a loving way. But if you, if you point out something that would, that would suggest that you and I need to be made new creatures in Christ, then, then you're not playing along. And so now all of a sudden the gospel and the Christian and the Bible teaching churches are the evil ones, are the bad ones. Why? We're the lighthouse in the sea. Yeah. Shining the light, saying there's rocks ahead. But the ship is not being so much... Driven by the populace, the ship is being driven by the doctrines of demons. And that was one of the things that they're upset about is is this pastor says that this whole transgender thing is rooted in 
uh, spiritual deception and, and doctrines of demons. It is. It is. It's a demonic thing. It's a demonic doctrine that says you, God made a mistake on you. And you need to be something else. Now, if you're going through that struggle, you need to know something. What people say or suggest should be brought under the preview of God's word. God's word should judge what not only what people say about you, but what you think about you, you should bring under the judgment of God's word. And when you find out that there is a real world that is out to destroy you, just like the Bible said there would be in the last days. Jesus said it's going to be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah before he comes back, and like in the days of Noah. Constant, constant evil. Right? And sexual aberrance. Strange things. When you hear that, and by the way, that's one side of the coin. You could be a person that says, well, Jack, this message doesn't relate to me. I'm only an adulterer. <laughs> oh, there's, listen, we're in this, we're all in this boat. Okay? You don't get a free pass. Jesus Christ died for all manner of sin. Here's the thing. Who are you? What are you? What is your identity? Where do you find it? Who determines your identity? On what basis is that claim made? You need to chant. Listen, think about that right now. Well, you know, the experts are saying, and I don't know about you. I think I do. Aren't we done with experts? Amen. What is God saying? That's what is important, is know where your true identity comes from. That's what, that's what needs to happen. So where does your identity come from? Jesus. Good, let's go home. We got it. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> well, you're right. In fact, what is the purpose of life? Why are we here? And I think Jesus spelled this out when he's praying to the Father in John, as recorded in John 17. He's praying to the Father about us, and he says, now... In John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that they, meaning us, may know, may know you, God the Father, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Notice, the purpose of life is to know God. Not just intellectually, because even the demons know that God exists. Yeah. In fact, James, the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote that little book in the New Testament called? <laughs> you guys are sharp this morning. James says, even the demons know that God exists, but they tremble. So the sense in which we know God is not just intellectually, it's also volitionally, it's personally. To go from not just the head, but to the head and the heart. To accept Him, to believe in Him, to trust in Him. That's your identity. Your identity is in Christ. I know, if you look around the world, ladies and gentlemen, people are trying to achieve their identity. In Christianity, you do not achieve your identity. You receive your identity. Oh, Frank, say that again. Just you do not again. achieve your identity. You receive your identity. And that is, that is so true. You just accept what he's done for you. If you have to achieve your identity, all the pressure's on you. And there's always someone that can do it better. And that identity that's based on achievement can go away when you can no longer achieve whatever you've put your identity in. But when you receive your identity from Jesus, it's eternal. The world says, put your identity in your political party or put your identity in your gender identity or put your identity in your 
sexual preference or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your job or your vocation. Ladies and gentlemen, you realize none of those things are ultimate. They can all go away. If you put your identity in your sexual preference, what happens when you can no longer sexually perform? You no longer have an identity? Mm. Or what happens when uh, you're no longer sexually preferred? You no longer have an identity? What happens if you put your identity in your job and you lose your job? You no longer have an identity? No, you can lose all that. You can lose any of the things that the world tells you to put your identity in. You cannot lose Jesus. So, number one, you've got to keep an eternal perspective. Number two, you've got to know where your identity comes from. Your identity comes from accepting what Christ has done. And this is, John says it. He says in the very first chapter of his biography, we call the gospel of John, that he has given you the right to become a child of God by receiving him. Mm -hmm. You receive it. You don't achieve it. That's where your identity comes from. And it's free and it's secure and it's eternal and it's non-competitive. You know, you have the same identity as anybody in Christianity. Same identity as Jack, same identity as... as, uh, Greg Laurie, same identity as uh, Billy Graham, same identity as the Apostle Paul, same identity as anybody in Christianity. You receive it. You don't achieve it. Amen. Think of the, the, the linkage to that. In our human DNA, we can discover if we're related to someone. We can do a genealogy background check and find out that, oh my goodness, you know, and some of you... I love American history, and some of you really rub it in because we've got ancestors that attend this church that are related to John Hancock, and we've got a, uh, one of the people on staff that are related to John Adams, and it's just like, man, you know, I looked at my ancestry, and you've noticed I've never brought it up. I've just left it alone, um, but for, for real, but the, uh, the, the thing is... Uh, that that's you know when when you have pedigree isn't it awesome paul spoke about that that god is not calling you into his kingdom based upon you being a blue blood or not a pedigree but he's called those that are the outcast of the world now look isn't it funny what i'm about to say is going to be very offensive to somebody and though god is not swayed by any type of sin what's very interesting about this is um somebody might find this next statement to be more Convicting than what we're talking about today is when God says, I'm not, I don't, I don't accept you based on pedigree um, or on your morality. His word to you is, you may be the best person in the church. So what does that mean? Pay your taxes, drive under the speed limit. You open up doors for little ladies from Pasadena. (laughs) Some, some of you oldies will know what that means. <laughs> you do everything right. And you know that you do everything right. And you come to church almost as a tradition. You don't come to church expecting God to change your life this Sunday. And then the next Sunday. And the next Sunday. You could be very, very religious and very outwardly cloaked well. But didn't Jesus say that to the Pharisees? He said, you guys look spectacular on the outside. But on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. On the outside, you look beautiful. You look so religious. Inside, your whole life was full of rottenness. And so, I love that about our God. He's taken the foolish. He's taken the outcasts. He's he's taken those that are uh, discarded by this world. And he has transformed you. So, what we're talking about today is you want to... 
you, you must admit that the word trans, transform, transformation, I mean, let's get down, let's, let's face it, trans, the word trans, first of all, it's not even the full word, it's suggestive of transformation. Why? Why would any of us want to be transformed? I am going to make a confession right now. I want to be transformed. I want to be trans. I want to be transformed into more and more of Jesus. That's the tra- that's why I read this book is because I want it to get the jack out of me. It's the jack that messes stuff up. It's it's the jack that makes the wrong decisions. But when I read this, Frank said it earlier, book of Romans 12 talks about the renewing of our minds. Our minds, the Bible says, would you agree? Challenge point right now. Your mind needs to be renewed, says the Bible. A person that is thinking rightly would say, boy, is that true? I need help. Only the person missing the whole thing would say, no, I'm good. (laughs) No, you're not good. There's only one good and that's God. So listen, we need transformation. But to bring up the topic is to probably get this broadcast or this service knocked off the air. In the name of inclusion, tolerance and diversity. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because we are issuing the same hope that the murderer is extended by, uh, from Jesus to anyone else, to the moralist, legalist. Listen, if whatever life you have lived that has been sinful against God, you should know. We don't want to know. You should know. Jesus Christ died on the cross for that sin. One of the greatest deception, deceptions of all is an age that you and I live in right now that says, well, that's not a sin. I want you to know something. Even if whatever you were doing is not a sin, we were born into this world sinners. And listen, our birth itself preempted any sin that we would commit later. Are you with me? But what preempted our birth is God knowing all things in advance before we were ever born. So the answer to some of you or maybe many of you is this. If you're being told a certain thing, or if your kids or your children, family, parents, somebody, who knows what, is being told a certain thing, I want to say, by what authority are they telling your kids this? Who are they? Number two, based on what? And listen, if you probe and probe, you'll find out that instead of history and math and, and all of the disciplines being taught... All along the way, the teachers have a united program whereby they are constantly seeding the field of confusion, doubt, and fear regarding a child's identity. Deliberately, people. That's why you're seeing school teachers getting fired. Listen, it's supposed to be hard to fire a school teacher. But if you stand up and say, I'm going to teach my kids math and history. I'm not going to teach them this gender uh, issue. It's not the place of the, of the school to do this. It's for the parents. You're going to be fired. And it's happening. Jessica Tapia from this church is now a national figure because it's happened to her. You, listen, you're being lied to, but who's the father of all lies? 
And you know the problem with the deception is you don't know you're being deceived. See, that's the problem. And it, Satan comes as an angel of light. So we have to keep an eternal perspective. We have to know who our identity is. Mm -hmm. And here's our third point. This is the main point of the whole thing. Is that everyone is transitioning. The only question is who are you transitioning into? That's the question. Yeah. Now, let's say that... Um, Someone comes to you, a young person comes to you, your child, and says, well, mom, dad, I'm trans. Let's give a little background on, on gender dysphoria to begin with. First of all, gender dysphoria until about a decade ago affected about one out of every 10,000 men who thought they were women. Okay? It is a real condition. We're not talking about those people. Those people do have a real medical condition known as gender dysphoria. But in recent years, about the past decade, there's been more than a 4,000% increase, particularly of young women, young girls, claiming to be boys, trans. And as Abigail Schreier has pointed out, who wrote the seminal book, uh, uh, Irreversible Damage, How the Transgender Craze is Seducing Our Daughters, she said this is a social contagion and it's transmitted largely through social yes. media That's, okay yes. your kids are being discipled either by you yes. or by this That's it. okay so what can you do about it before we get into it um, a number of years ago I was on a program called correct not politically correct it was a Bill Maher show and I don't agree with Bill Maher on much but I'll tell you Bill Maher has been a breath of fresh air lately <laughs> yeah uh, you know, he is a, he's a classical liberal, and he's an atheist, so he's not going to agree with us on much. But a year ago, on his program, he had a program called Along for the Pride. And maybe we can put that slide up here. As you can see, he points out how the older generations hardly at all de uh, identify at all as LGBTQ. But as you go further into, say... Uh, Generation Z, what's that, about 20.8? He said, if this trend continues, we'll all be gay by 2060. Okay? That sounds just yeah. like him. Yeah. Now, now, what's his point here? His point here is, is that this is obviously, it seems, transmitted through the culture. It's not like suddenly there's something new about female biology that's causing young girls to say, oh, now I'm, I feel like a man, right? And Marr said this, and you can, you can find this on the Internet, he said, look, kids are, they go through phases. He said, if everybody uh, at eight years old knew what they wanted to be, the world would be full of cowboys and princesses. But it's not. He said, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a pirate. Thank God nobody took me seriously and took me for peg leg surgery and eye removal surgery. Right? Well, yeah, I mean, keep going, but why laugh? I mean, think about that. Think of it. Why laugh? Just change the words. Why laugh? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to belittle this at all, but if your daughter thought she was a mermaid, would you take her off the coast and drop her in the ocean? No, you wouldn't. If your daughter is anorexic, but she was really mm -hmm. saying she was overweight, would you take her for liposuction? No, of course you wouldn't. You would say, honey, your mind is playing tricks on you. You're, you're, you're experiencing a, a mental delusion. We need to get you some help. We need to get you some counseling. We need to get you some prayer, some psychiatry. We need to help you 
align the mismatch between your psychology and your biology and we'd get her nutrition we wouldn't take her for liposuction but what the world is telling us now is that whatever you think that's who you are well if whatever you think that's who you are then again if you think you're a mermaid you're you're, you're going to be thrown in the ocean if you think that you're anorexic we're going to give you liposuction no sometimes our thoughts are wrong that's why we need to renew our minds you know i what he just said, you guys, um, I know that there are uh, churches and they do things that, that we wouldn't agree with and it would be embarrassing and would be harmful uh, regarding how they would deal with that. But you mentioned, sweetheart, you know, you, you have something wrong. Let's get you some help. Um, I thank God for this church and the ministry. By the way, we have a ministry that you don't know too much about, but you should and you will now is for years we've had a ministry here called Whitestone. Whitestone. Just look it up later on our website. Regarding those who are experiencing gender dysphoria, homosexuality, LBGTQ, whatever it might be, there's an incredible group of people trained and they minister constantly. Whitestone. Having said that, uh, this is a church that you can come to and you will not be... You will not be uh, grabbed and shaken and, and yelled at, demon, come out, demon, come out. And we're not going to throw gin, uh, uh, not ginger, that's good for your stomach. What is <laughs> Garlic. Garlic, garlic yeah. we're, we're not going to throw holy water <laughs> on you. Sorry, remember what Walter Martin said about holy water? What did he say? You, you guys know who Walter Martin is? He used to be the Bible answer man years ago. The Bible answer man. Yeah, he yeah. started it. Yeah. Walter Martin said this is the only way that he's been able to figure out how to get actual holy water. He said, you get the water and you boil the hell out of it. (laughs) And then you can use it. (laughs) He'll be here all day, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Here's what I would say. I would make sure that you have a very spiritually sensitive, biblically-based church that you go to, and you you would... Escort your loved one to a church to be prayed for. Because, listen, I'm not discounting any of those other disciplines, all for it. But I'm a big fan of going direct to the one who can sometimes heal instantly. And we've seen him do that. So we want to encourage you. Let's uh, let's give you some practical questions you can ask somebody. Uh, Say it's your daughter comes to you and say, Mom, Dad, I'm trans. Okay, the first question I think you ought to ask is, what do you mean by trans? What do you mean by that? And let them describe. And first of all, the first thing you ought to say is, thank you. Thank you for coming. Do not freak out. Yeah. Okay? Do not freak out. If you freak out when your kid has an issue, is that kid ever going to come to you again with an issue? No. No, you've got to be a, 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 a safe person to come to. In fact, my first pastor said this, and he would say this to his kids, and I think it's very wise. He would say... To his children, there's nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you. There is nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you. Now, you all know that love doesn't necessarily mean approval. In fact, how many people in here are parents? All right, how many people in here are former children? Okay, good. That's all of us then. Look, if your parents approved of everything you wanted to do when you were 15 years old, would those parents have been loving No. No. Parents need to stand in the way of things that are going to harm the child. You have to stand in the way of evil. 
That's what we need to do, but we need to do it in the right manner. Thomas Sowell, the 92-year-old economist who uh, grew up in Harlem, but then taught himself to read, became a PhD, taught at some of the top schools in the world, said this. When you tell people what they need to hear, you're helping them. When you tell people what they want to hear, you're helping yourself. Wow. Why do we tell people what they want to hear? Because we don't want to experience the blowback that they're going to give us when we disagree with them. But you know what we're doing? We're helping ourselves then. We're not helping them. We're helping ourselves because we're avoiding the blowback from them. And Jesus gave us one new command, ladies and gentlemen. He said this. Love one another as I have loved you. How did, he, how did he love us? He sacrificed himself for us. So we have to love people by sacrificing ourselves for them. That means taking their heat when we disagree with them. So tell them what they really need to hear. So first question is, what do you mean by trans? Second question is, how did you come to that conclusion? What caused you to start thinking this way or feeling this way? In fact, uh, there's a man by the name of Walt Heyer. For many years, he lived as a transgender woman, and he then met Jesus, and he came out of transgenderism, and he started a ministry called sexchangeregret.com. You can go to his website, sexchangeregret.com, and in the thousands of people he's counseled, he always asks them, how did you come to that conclusion that you're trans? What caused it? What event occurred? And he said, in, in almost every case, somebody put their finger on an event, a traumatic event. There's been childhood trauma somewhere. So these people aren't just making this up. Now, it might be that your child is just going with the social contagion. With the trend. Yeah, but for people that truly have gender dysphoria, it's, it's it's a condition that has been brought on by childhood trauma in most cases. So you need to know that, okay? So ask, how did you come to that conclusion? Third question is what happened that made you feel this way? This is a similar question. What was the event that caused you to come to this conclusion? Fourth question, is do feelings always tell you the truth? No, feelings don't tell you the truth. You might also ask, do your feelings ever change? Obviously, your feelings have changed because last week you you weren't trans, and now you are. Do you think your feelings may change again? In fact, feelings change. Do you know what puberty is, ladies and gentlemen? It's one big, long transition from childhood to adulthood. In fact, we could put it this way. It's normal to feel odd when you're going through puberty. It's normal to feel odd when you're going through puberty. There should be things that don't seem right, but that's no reason to reach for hormones or, God forbid, surgery. Because your heart is going to change. In fact, Jack, 80% of young people who truly experience this gender dysphoria, by the time they hit 18, they've grown out of it. Listen, I just wrote here. Thank you for saying that. I wrote Mm -hmm. this down seconds ago, Mm -hmm. a minute ago. Uh No, you're not. That was a reminder to me Uh because I'm, I told you this before service. Uh So many people are coming to me wherever I'm at and they're saying, Pastor Jack, 17 years ago, I thought it was, I was, I was with a group and I was told that I was uh, a uh, homosexual or a lesbian. And I went down that path and it was just, it turned out to be all those years. It was a total waste of time, total disaster. I almost ruined my life. It turns out I'm not. So it's kind of making circles, but listen, the change that Frank is talking about, somebody, somebody putting that in your head or there was some traumatic experience. Listen, a lot of people don't realize this, but they'll, 
they who research this will tell you that a child that is having uh, sexual confusion in a, a, young, a young child or a teen, one of the questions that's, that is asked of them, were you ever molested? And if they say no, the second question is, how old were you when you first saw pornography? And a great majority of them saw X, X, right? Pornography as a young child. And the effect on them in adulthood or in in, uh, later teen years was the same as though they had been physically tampered with. That tells you something, everybody, Mm. that we're more than just flesh. Mm. The real part of this is on the inside, so much so that a child can be shown a pornographic picture and it will do so much damage within them that their emotions don't connect right after that. Their thinking doesn't connect after that. It's almost like a bomb went off inside of them. There's junk everywhere. The brain's rewired, Jack. My gosh, I wish we had the time. Do you know that... If you are monogamous, husband and wife relationship, did you know that the longer, listen to this, and you and I have been married forever yeah. to other, I mean, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to our wives. They're putting this back on YouTube now, Jack. We just got back, <laughs> on. back on YouTube. We're back on Facebook, Jack, brilliant. <laughs> science, science shows us that when you are face-to-face with your spouse on a regular basis, and all the men said, that was weak. (laughs) That there is a chemical, wives, listen up. There is a chemical chemical experience with your husband being with you. By the way, it's interesting that it said that Adam, uh, Adam knew Eve, and the Hebrew word implies that he knew her to her face. Isn't that wild? He knew her to her face. They experienced each other to the face, but a man, uh, there is such a chemical response that puts an imprint that this is my this is my woman. And by the way, the more that men are not faithful, or if you're single and you're running around like a tomcat, you actually have no idea what kind of damage you're doing. Big time. And you can't bond. It's like pulling you a, can't bond. It's like well, pulling a band-aid off. You exactly. can't put it back on. Exactly, exactly right. So, so um let me, let me let me let me ask one more question. There's it. one more question you can ask of your young person, and that is um, have have you read about the long term effects of doing this, of transitioning? Because chances are they haven't. The media paints a rosy picture. But people that really go through either hormone, cross-sex hormones or surgery have horrific experiences. And in fact, I've documented this in an update of a book called Correct Not Politically Correct about same-sex marriage and transgenderism. This book is not out yet. It comes out May 15th. Scan that, please. But if you want a copy of it, uh, if you... Scan that. You can pre-order that. And as I say, it comes out May 15th. I just added a brand new section on transgenderism. And I'm not quoting Bible verses in this book. This book was written for somebody who does not accept the Bible. That's right. So someone who just might have common sense 
And after they read this, I'm using the common sense, natural law, medical effects of both same-sex marriage and transgenderism uh, to point out that neither of these are good for individuals and neither of these are good for the country. And there's many footnotes in there. You can look all this up. Uh, This is designed to help parents and to help people who are dealing with this issue. And uh, these are some of the questions I think you ought to ask. And I also think that we have to realize that the wisdom that comes from the scriptures, it might be the second most important verse in the Bible for our culture right now. It comes from Proverbs 428, sorry, 423, which says, above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. Doesn't say follow your heart. It says guard Guard. your heart. Yeah. Now, amen. One, another translation puts it this way. Guard your heart for out of it will spring forth the issues of life. Mm-hmm. And what are the issues of life? I'll tell you. How about we end with this? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's a transition for you. Amen. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given you and I the ministry of reconciliation. How precious is that? God wants you to know him personally. We pray that you would take this message today. I don't remember how we did this uh, a few weeks ago, you guys, but you did your job. And we're going to ask you to do it again. Do you remember when I asked you to take this message and share it with at least 10 people? Remember that? Well, I'm going to ask you to do that again. And I don't remember, guys, do you remember how we did that? Or did I just say it? Or, that's, uh, that's all I said? There's no link or whatever? There was no link given, but... Uh, come back to second service. We'll have the answer by then. Uh, not really. But here's what happened. Uh, you guys, because of you guys... Uh, the last several, the last three weeks, the, the messages have surpassed a million and one of them was over two million views because of all of you. Do the same with this message. Do the same with this message. Just say, hey, something pretty, pretty current was mentioned at our church today and you might want to check it out. But by all means, listen, I love what Frank said today. It's the way our God functions. God doesn't agree with us when we bring something to him. God directs us. God changes us. God steers us. And God encourages us. Sometimes we bring things to him and he says, that's awesome. Keep going. But will you let God be God? And those of you who don't believe that there is a God, I know Bill Maher doesn't believe that there is a God. but, But listen, I've also heard Bill Maher criticize God. You can be here today and you can be saying, I don't believe in God. I'm going to do my thing. No, the truth is, friends, listen, we know the truth. The truth is God is inconvenient for you right now. We remember how that is. We just want you to know. You can go direct right now to God through Jesus Christ. And you can spare yourself a lot of grief. You've tried everything else. You've, you've, you've entertained transitioning. How about you pause right now? Just pause on the chemicals. Pause on the injections. Pause on the counseling and, and give God 30 days. Pick up the gospel of John. 
Start reading the Gospel of John and say, God, if you're real, will you show me? God, if you're real, will you show me? Watch what he does. Father, we pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that those that are hearing this message, those that shall hear this message, especially those like good old J. Vernon McGee used to say, you'll never know if you're making a dent or making an effect unless you throw a rock into a pack of dogs. And the dog that yelps the loudest is the one that got hit. Lord, may your Holy Spirit speak to hearts and minds and bring people to the foot of the cross for the ultimate transition. And Lord, I mean this without, I'm not joking. God, you know I'm not joking. Our governor this week has just announced that he has a program coming that it's going to be California versus hate in court. And that people are to be reported on if they spread hate. This message would be reported on as being hate because we are inviting transition into the kingdom of God. Lord, we pray that you would touch our nation, its leaders. We pray that you'd awaken the pulpits and the pews. Lord, it feels like America's over. But it's not over until it's over. So God, may we fight and speak and stand boldly, courageously, knowing that ultimately we will be judged in the final judgment before your throne. And God, may we be able to stand and hear from you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And Father, may others today enter into the family of God by just coming to you, Jesus. In your name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.